Listening Dog Media. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to the Offside Rule. It's me, Kate Borsay. Woohoo! The hostess with the mostess. Oh, I'm so looking forward to today's pod because do you know who's on it? Well, she's been to the ice hockey and checked out Petter as he tends the goal in a brand new sport. Yes, it's Surrey's own Lindsay Hooper. And back for more because we loved her last appearance and the previous years that she's done with us here on the podcast from ESPN, BBC Five Live, CNN and so very much more. It's European football expert Mina Rizukukuki. <laughs> and by the way, you don't have to whoop yourselves. Kate did it in the intro. You just did it. We'll whoop for you. Whoop, whoop. Okay, then <laughs> I'm just going to look at you now every time I want that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> now, if anyone wonders where they might have heard this combo before, well, we used to do the podcast very regularly together about three or four years or maybe even five years ago. And so it feels like old times here in the studio today. It feels like the little chickens coming home to roost as we share our football experiences. Um, I want to know what what you've been up to recently, please, Mina. God, I feel like, uh, well, I'll I'll tell you, I had a really horrible day in the sense that I shouldn't have gone to my Pilates class, (laughs) worked my gluteus maximus to the, well, to the very full point. And then I actually didn't have any lunch, came here, stuffed myself with a Pret-a-Manger sandwich and walked over Mm. here. So it's been uh, a hard day, but otherwise it's just been lots of writing, lots of work. I really need a holiday. It's just so much rain. You and me Dreaming of that yacht again. Uh, Lindsay, tell us about Peter Check. Oh, Peter Check. This is brilliant. You know when you could just write a script? If you had the ability to be able to say, this is going to happen at this time, and this is how it's going to round off, you know, for first debut on the ice for him. Um, There were loads of media there because of the interest around him. 700 more fans turned up to watch purely because of the Peter Check effect. This was for Guildford Phoenix Ice Hockey Club. Wow. So I was there and... And if you could have got the script any more on point, I would I would argue that you you would be hard beat to do it because he not only made a few good saves during the, the game itself, finished 2-2, went to extra time, no more goals. So it's going to penalties. You're thinking, brilliant. 
Petr Cech's going wow. to penalties in the first one. Then he saves two penalties, which means that wow. they win. <gasps> Three, two on penalties. He saves the last one. Everyone piles on him. You know, hero of the time. That's and incredible, isn't he it? He gets skills for player of the match as well. Uh, that's insane. Was that his debut? Yeah. That was his debut. Now, that's, for a, debut. that's for a fourth-tier team, but... Speaking to the owners there, they were saying, look, he is really talented. He's going to do really well. So, may- so Guildford Flames are the main team. Oh, so and maybe he's he going to get himself promoted. Yeah. So they're in the fourth tier of ice hockey. But speaking to the owner and the people, the coaches that he knows really well that brought him on board. Uh, can I Can I just, when did you become an ice hockey expert yeah, so exactly. much so that you're speaking, speaking to the, the owner? <laughs> I, I'm a journalist. You have to do your background research. But he, he was actually put forward for the, for the press conference. He was put forward. Well, at the press conference. Sorry, were you, were you working at this game or just there for fun? Working, I was okay, working. Fine, fine. Um, so I was at the press conference. They had four different people from, from the club. They knew what a big occasion it was. And they were saying, look, he is much, much, much better than he thinks he is. So he could end up running out with Gil- the Guildford Flames, which are the, the first tier team. So keep your eyes peeled on that Ooh. if you're in Surrey like I am nowadays. And it isn't just Petr Cech that might be taken to the ice. Have you seen what's been happening on Twitter with uh, Tim Krull? Norwich no. City goalkeeper. So off the back of Czech, he, he sent a tweet to Whitley Warriors, who are based up in Newcastle, because obviously he spent a lot of his career yeah. up there. Um, and and he's basically offered his services on the ice. Really? And they said, uh, we're not in talks to sign Tim Krull. And he replied saying, that's a shame. I'd have been quite interested. So maybe... Another goalkeeper oh, at some point. Extended careers. Well. I might need Mina's help quickly on this one. I gather you've been learning to say welcome in Spanish and Portuguese. I've got to do that for tomorrow. Okay. So, buenvenidos. Is that is that hello in Spanish? I, I mean, I'm looking at you, Mina. Yeah, because, huh? Well, that's welcome. Okay. Uh, welcome, Portuguese, yeah. I've got... Well, you've got bernvinda, which sounds like a type of curry in the bit that you sent me. But I <laughs> think it bom- it's... I think it's bom. Benvindo. Oh, Benvindo. Either way, uh, we we all know what Lindsay Hooper's uh, a grasp of languages is like. Good luck for that one. <laughs> I always, oh my God, that's so mean. I always know it's true, but I always think, just say it with conviction really quickly, if I pretend it's actually a footballer's name rather than a greeting, then yeah. I'll get it right. Okay, as soon as I put a football. It's quite easy. Bienvenido. Go on then, try that one now. Bienvenido. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I see what's happening Good luck. There. Good luck with that. Uh, a quick reminder, you can catch us on Jack Radio Fridays from 7 o'clock. Uh, on this week's show, we'll be celebrating CR700. No, that's not a product code from the latest Screwfix catalogue. It's Cristiano Ronaldo breaking his 700 goal mark. As well as celebrating that, we're looking at some record-breaking footballers after Trent Alexander-Arnold got himself in the Guinness 2020 World Records book. Nice. But first... Reasons to be cheerful. With the international breakdown, the good news is the Premier League is back and there's an excellent match happening on Sunday afternoon, (laughs) even if I do say so myself, United versus Liverpool, which we'll talk about. But we also want to shine a light, don't we, on the other teams in action this weekend. So we'd like reasons for them to be cheerful, please. Uh, Pick a couple of teams each about this next set of Premier League matches um, and also a word of caution for each side from both of you as well. Mina, I'm looking at you first. Okay, well, I'm going to go with Manchester United. Um, I know things looking really dismal, and they could set to be, and they could be worse, to be honest, this weekend because they take on Liverpool. We know how good Liverpool are, and the fact that they could do no wrong. But one reason to be optimistic is that in November, 
United are set for a relatively easy fixture list. Although right now with United, you don't know what's easy and what isn't. But Bournemouth is their toughest task when they start the month. Then they have Brighton, Sheffield United and, and Aston Villa. And you would assume that as a usual Manchester United at that level could collect, you know, four wins. I mean, looking at that, they could it should at least pick up some points, considering by then, for sure, we'll have Pogba back. For sure, we'll have Juan Bissaka back and Martial. And then that could be very interesting for United going forward. Interesting. I hear that they've hired spying firms to monitor potential transfer targets as the world and his dog is being linked to, tra- to Manchester United in the January transfer window, isn't it? As a way out of this malaise, basically. It seems that every single article I read is about a potential transfer target, the latest Declan Rice and James Madison. But to help them along their way, yeah, apparently there are special spying firms. But that... why wouldn't you just get a sporting director who does that I for you? No, Mina, because it's more glamorous to hire a spying firm, isn't it? Well, it kind of just feels a bit James Bond, but well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to roll in on Liverpool, actually, seeing as we were talking about that Manchester United-Liverpool fixture at the weekend. Sitting pretty at the top of the league, eight points clear. I'm just loving it because I am a Liverpool fan. On target for their first league title in 30 years. 17 consecutive wins if you go back to the end of last season as well. Times are good at Liverpool. So Manchester United this weekend looks good. They've also got Alisson in goal back and Joel Matip in defence. So good news on that front. Uh, Mo Salah, he's my next bit of good news for Liverpool because he's not just a bloody good footballer. He also looks great in a skirt made of leaves. Oh, he's yes. never ever scored against Man United. All right, well, don't. Well, can I can I just leave that for the next negative section? <laughs> yeah, go on. Before you, before you <laughs> wade in. that film. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, Mo looks great in a leaf skirt. Um, he's 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 not just a great footballer. He is an epic dad for his daughter's fifth birthday. Uh, this is Maka, his daughter. Um, he's basically practically naked, having dressed up as Maui from the Disney flick Moana. That's so sweet. Oh. Isn't that lovely? And he's, he's basically got a garland and a skirt made out of leaves and nothing else. And he put it on Twitter and was like, happy birthday to my daughter. And I thought, you know what? He's not afraid in this chilly October weather, especially in Liverpool, to bear all. So well done, Mo, for that one. I feel obliged as the impartial person here because Mina's been tasked with this one. So she did United. Mm. You're obviously a Liverpool fan. Yeah. And I feel like because everything is so rosy for Liverpool at right now. Yes. I need to say that they've only won at Old Trafford once. I'm glad that you've been looking at Liverpool's stats, even though it's not your team to look at. It's just stuff that I know because I'm interested. She's a journalist. I'm going to tell you a funny anecdote, but do you know what job gets the least amount of sex? Go on. Journalists. Really? Yeah. I'm looking at Kate. And I'm thinking... I'm Mind not a you, she's, she's the one. <laughs> she's the one with two kids. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we shouldn't. But apparently, maybe I'm farmers, looking at you, Mina. Farmers get the most. Do they really? Do they? Yeah. Is it boredom? <laughs> Is it, I don't we, think so. I think it's because it they actually do people? physical exercise. People or, or animals involved in that one? Oh, no, do you know what you want? Can I give you just a couple of couple of negatives for Liverpool? Because as you say, Lindsay, as journalists, we need to balance this out. So talking of Mo Salah, obviously he had that ankle knock against Leicester. I don't know yet uh, whether he's back for the Manchester United game. Let's just urge a word of caution about our brilliant front three. Sadio Mane, Salah and Firmino being complacent. There's a bit of whiz-bang trickery going on there and there's some impressive skills on display, 
But part of me thinks that's great when you're winning to, to, to exude that much confidence that you can look at doing some scoopy shops, shots or some fantastic bits of footwork. But part of me thinks Liverpool could have banged in a lot more goals had maybe those front three not been perhaps showing off so much. So just a word of caution from me on those front three getting a bit big for their boots. Oh, how much they would love to be showing off at United over there. I well, think, yes, yeah. I don't think that what I've just said is going to come into play, is it, for United, where they're going to be desperate no, to do that. No, and also with David De Gea. This is what I was going to say. This is one of the reasons for I have down for caution, is that David De Gea is out. And this is a huge yeah. loss for them because, I mean, when you look at that back line, you think you need a World Cup winner, sort of, you know, a really good player at the back. And he's he transmits so much confidence. I know he hasn't been on his game at all times in the last year or so, but he is still very much the difference maker. Um, and what worries me as well is that, you know, they're being linked to all these players. Mm. Um, Mario Mandzukic, I know many people think he's not going to be the one who makes a difference, but he is a model professional. Maybe on that level at the dressing room, if they see him, how much he, he works hard for the team. Also on the pitch, he's one of the guys who will defend first, who will who will score the goals. He's so active, even his age. He's a great man to look at. But with all these different people linked, and now they're talking about Massimiliano Allegri coming in as oh, a coach. Oh, everyone. Everyone's being linked. We need a sporting director. I mean, if I was a United fan, that's exactly what I'd be saying. You need a man. You need a sporting director, a man who can actually help or Ed Woodward, or a woman. Yeah. Uh, Do you think we should advertise ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> the billboards will be knocked up in due course. Uh, Lindsay Hooper. I'll bring Palace into the discussion. I think. Okay. Crystal Palace, because everything's really good there at the moment. Six in the table. Um, they're playing Manchester City at home now. Wolves beat them two 0 just before the international break. If there was any other team that I'd say City would be a little bit fearful of, it would be Crystal Palace. They beat them last December, if you remember. So. They are a team to be cautious of for anyone, I think, because Palace can produce those surprises. Uh, reasons to be smiling if you're a Palace fan. Christian Benteke scored for Belgium. Yes, it was only against San Marino, but he got a goal. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not taking Hang that on. seriously. Every single one of the Belgium teams scored for Belgium against San Marino. <laughs> like 9 0. <laughs> it did brilliantly. But this is what you need. Sometimes it's just about getting that duck off your back. No, monkey. Sometimes. <laughs> Get the right animal. <laughs> I do this well, all need the time. We need a farmer in here quickly. <laughs> they're, they're too For busy. For several reasons, Kate. Yeah, For they're too busy. <laughs> they can't come in. Uh, <laughs> get the monkey off your back. Uh, anyway, let's move on to Wilfred Zahar because also reasons to smile for him. <laughs> he, for Ivory Coast, scored and got an assist. Against... <laughs> The Democratic Republic of Congo. <laughs> Very strong team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was trying to remember them putting me on the spot. And then, oh, um, no, they are a strong team. <laughs> I think uh, Milivojevic as well. He got some valuable game well time. Well done for that pronunciation, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. You've totally recovered it now. Oh, great. But what I would say is my word of caution. I've only got one because I don't think there's that much going wrong there at the moment. But Van Arnholt, during the international break, he was an unused substitute twice for the Netherlands, which I thought was quite mm. disappointing for you know, he, he has been getting assists. Uh, speaking of January transfer window, the other thing we're hearing is that this link to Michi Batshuayi is very much on in January. So if Palace fans wanted to know about that, then from good sources, we have it that that could be going ahead. Oh, exciting. Mina, who's next for you? I'm going to go for West Ham just because... 
I'm a little bit of a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Manuel Pellegrini. You okay. know, I mean, Manchester City brought on Pep Guardiola for the sake of winning the Champions League and doing something special in Europe. But you know who's the guy who got them to the semifinals? It was Manuel Pellegrini. So I think that they're a side that can definitely aim for top six. And I think one of the reasons that they can be happy going forward is that there was this fear of Declan Rice um, and, and what happened, obviously, for the England national uh, and there was worries that he was going to ha- carry over his illness and not be ready for this weekend's games. But he's back and he should be playing and he's been a terrific player for West Ham and one that will hopefully carry them through, especially considering that partnership with Mark Noble. I'm also quite fascinated by the fact that usually when you look at West Ham, you think to yourself, they're always a little bit dodgy away from home. Mm. But this year they're unbeaten. Granted, they haven't won their, you know, all their games away from home, but they're picking up points, and that's all that matters right now. They've got so many players uh, who are now no longer injured and making the difference, such as Yarmolenko, who's been sensational for them going uh, going forward, and so that's a huge plus for them. Now, unfortunately, despite those who've come back from injury and and trying to prove themselves, including Lanzini and Fredericks, they've lost Fabianski, and it's probably going to be until early 2020. Considering the fact that Pellegrini said he was probably the top th- one of the top three uh, goalkeepers for in the Premier League last yeah. season, it's a huge loss for them. It's a massive loss. It's and how many loss. clean sheets has he kept? You know, um, so that's one. Another thing is is that that forward line only eleven goals in eight games. That's the only thing that worries me. And you think to yourselves. It's Everton. There's every chance that you can score about 10 against them or lose. You just you have no idea with yeah, Everton, yeah. right? But for, for that stellar lineup that, that Pellegrini does have in attack right now, they need to be scoring more than 11 goals. You want more. Okay, I'm going to have a word on Leicester. Fourth in the table. Times are good at Leicester as well. They've only been beaten by Manchester United and Liverpool. Brendan Rodgers doing the business there and he knows it. Forthcoming fixtures. This is a positive. So they've got Burnley next, then Southampton, Crystal Palace and Arsenal. So they're kind of so-so for me because Burnley and Crystal Palace both very close to them in the table. But after that, it's a dream leading up to the middle of December. Brighton, Everton, Watford, Villa and Norwich, all sides currently in the bottom seven of the table. So what a great run in. So come mid-December, I expect Leicester to be there or thereabouts, uh, same as they are at the moment. The down points for me, James Madison's been under a lot of criticism, hasn't he? He was um, sent home from the England camp um, poorly. He had the flu. They didn't want him to contaminate anyone, although he wanted to stay. So instead, he was given some flu remedy, I think, from what I understand uh, from Brendan Rodgers' press conference this week. He watched the game at home, and then I think he went out half time and watch the rest of it from a casino not a good choice James Madison uh, might have the same cool calm confidence as uh, an MI5 spy at the top of his game but he's no James Bond hanging out in a casino is he so uh, (laughs) you need to do better than that next time Jimbo Lindsay Hooper we'll finish with Wolves mighty mighty Wolves after the international break Uh, a couple of reasons for hope and optimism at the moment Raul Jimenez this is the one that I wanted I wanted him to have a break and Thank you, Gerardo Martino, who's the Mexico coach, because he said, any European players, I'm going to give you a break, give you some rest, and Raul Jimenez amongst those. So really, really excited to see him come back rested and ready to fire. Also, Patrick Catrone, uh, the opposite for him. I think he needed game time. He needed minutes. He got full 90 minutes, didn't he, for Italy? Yeah. Which you'll know about. That was in Armenia. Oh, for the under-21s. Yes, that was for the under-21s. And then Jean Moutinho... 
and Rui Patricio. Mm. Um, this is a negative. Portugal got beaten by Ukraine. So Ukraine secured their place at Euro 2020 as a 2-1 defeat. Maybe not so much for Rui Patricio because I think he went a little bit more unnoticed. But did you see some of the, the fallout for Matinho? No. Um, so he got substituted and withdrawn at uh, 56 minutes. And then on Twitter, I noticed a lot of Portugal fans going against him a little bit saying that they that they just don't see it anymore so Jean Moutinho got to feel sorry for him and wonder if that's going to knock his confidence at all uh, and finally Matt Doherty we've seen him back the last couple of weeks and he has played really really well but he has come out in a in a local newspaper interview in Wolverhampton saying that he's not 100% yet so he's been playing still mm. with an injury he thinks he's another couple of weeks away it's a knee problem so you do wonder when someone's coming out and saying that whether if he gets played again, which I think he probably will, that'll do him a lot more harm than, than but good. But it also makes well, him I mean, a, he's a, a target, doesn't it? He's been well. pretty good with that injury. Yes, mm, we love him. We did an offside rule exclusive with him, and what a thoroughly nice chap he mm. is. Well, that's a balanced Premier League diet, ladies. If ever I saw one. Next up, there's one man who needs a bit of a mention. Just before we move on, we want to let you know about our WSL show that comes out every Monday. This week, Molly Hudson from The Times and Tim Stillman from Ars Blog join me to discuss Arsenal's defeat at Chelsea. We get Keris Harrop talking maple syrup and Leah Williamson tells us about her charity work out in Jakarta. Yet we've got the big names, cover the important topics like maple syrup and discuss tactics on the pitch too. That's the Offside Rule WSL edition out every week on its own feed. Don't forget to subscribe. It's the best insight into the women's game, even if we do say so ourselves. I listened over breakfast... So when I was hearing the maple syrup stuff, I was like, oh, I've quite fancied that yes. for breakfast now. We got given a little one. So I Except went and had for, it. Well, yes. Um, the maple syrup people, Maple Canada, gave us some maple syrup and they sent a box of maple syrup after our producer, Abby, had spoken to them dutifully for quite a long time to arrange the guest on the show. They sent a box, like a, a big maple syrup and lots of little baby ones. Who took the big one? Me. <laughs> oh, Lindsay. Snooze you lose. This is The Offside Rule with me, Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Mina Rizuki. And now... Cristiano Ronaldo. Ainda vem jogado por Cristiano Ronaldo. E é um gol. É um gol. É um gol. Ronaldo. Oh, genius. Absolute genius. Would you believe it? And it's a hat trick for Cristiano Ronaldo. And then Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo, it's his landmark 700th goal as a professional footballer. So 
So let's go. Ronaldo Ranieri and ready to go Mourinho with Mina in our vicinity. It seems only right that we discuss some Italian football. Let's talk Ronaldo or as he's been newly christened CR700. He's now at the time of recording scored 700 career goals. Quite a feat topped only by Gerb Müller, Puskas, Pele, Romario and Joseph Bidskan who leads the way after scoring a whopping 805 goals in like 1872. Wow. Sorry I had to look him up. Uh, Lindsay I'd like your abiding Ronaldo memory please if we're to reminisce a little well let's go back to 2003 when he scored his very first goal for Manchester United do either of you remember what sort of goal it was I can barely remember yesterday bicycle kick no it, but it was a trademark. It was a free kick. Um. Um, it came in the 80th minute against Portsmouth. Already at that point, Man United were winning 1-0 at Old Trafford. And then on comes 18-year-old Ronaldo. I watched the free kick back today. And what is really telling about it, he already has that stance that he's become famous for in that very first one that he scores. It's quite incredible, really. And it didn't touch anybody because people wondered whether to credit him. But you watch the replay and it, and it didn't touch anyone. And I go back to 2003. So that was the year that I graduated from university. I know so much about this year because I loved it so much. So I remember, so that was in the November. So I'd graduated in the summer. That summer as well, Wolves had got promoted. So I was like flying high because we were also in the Premier League at this point in November. First ever appearance in the modern Premier League era. Let's talk Man United because then I can get this in. At Wolves, at Molyneux, Kenny Miller scored the only goal. We wow. beat them one I think it was in about the 68th minute or something like that. I remember that vividly. And I was working in radio at the time, so I wasn't yet in football. I hadn't actually started in football journalism. I had been to Loughborough. I'd been doing quite a lot of sports radio and student radio and things like that. But I, I was working in radio uh, and that was my first job out of uni. So oh, that nice. was what was happening. Oh, nice memories. Well, excellent listeners among you would have heard that goal in the little montage uh, that we heard a little while ago. I've picked out a Ronaldo goal and it's, it, it isn't a favourite, but this totally sums up why I love and hate him at the same time. It's Portugal's World Cup game against Spain in 2018. It's Portugal's opening game of the tournament. Mina's given me like a little eyes up. Oh yeah, I know what's coming. In the fourth minute of this game, so Ronaldo scores a hat-trick, okay? But the reason why I tussle with Ronaldo, the man, the player is epitomised in the first four minutes with his first goal on the edge of Spain's penalty box when he dummies Spanish defender Nacho, who lunges forward at him. Ronaldo, of course, trips over Nacho's leg, earning a penalty, which he easily converts. Afterwards, he looks towards Nacho, catches his eye, gives him a wink, and then walks off. Like that Wayne Rooney wink. Exactly. <laughs> in 2006. Naked and that's, ambition. <laughs> that, naked ambition. That sums him up for me. The skill of being able to earn that penalty, but not the grace afterwards, I suppose is what I'm saying. The wink. He just makes me angry when he does that, does that thing. So that for me epitomises Ronaldo. Great goal, great bit of technique, but don't ruin it by winking afterwards. Oh, terrible, terrible man. The first goal that uh, Ronaldo scored for Portugal was in 2004. It was also the year that I graduated. Uh, that was a year later. It was the Euros and it was a weird Euros because Greece won it. Yes. And yes. he scored the goal in the opening game against uh, Portugal's opening game, which was against Greece and they lost. He conceded the penalty. And then he got a consolation goal, which was his first for Portugal. And that was a huge thing. But for me, the goal that I remember the most is the bicycle kick that he did in the Champions League against Juventus in 2018. And the reason for it is because 
the stadium, Turin stood up and applauded him. Yeah, they did. And I, firstly, I love that because this is my team. I'm Juventus yeah. and I love that we appreciate talent and that we're not like, you know, so crazy that we just boo anyone. And he said that the way that we acted to that goal is exactly the reason why he wanted us to go to Juventus. He wanted to be part of a big team that had fans like that. And he felt so grateful to, for them. And we are so grateful to have him. Not necessarily because of what he's doing in Italy, because he's not, he wasn't top scorer. You know, he's not like blasting from all cylinders. Obviously, he's a fantastic player. But one of the reasons is just because what he's done on a commercial revenue uh, level, what he's done to boost our name, the brand of Juventus. I mean, just as a stat, their social media presence was boosted by 68%. They went from 49.7 million to 83 million on social media just because of him. He said that that was his best goal, didn't he? He, he said, said it in, yeah, in the, the Piers Morgan. It, I mean, you have to think I'm about pick it, the up. technique. It, it was a very fine goal. Also in our little montage, I'm going to pick up on that social media point because that leads me to Cristiano Ronaldo, the Instagram star. Apparently, he earns more from Insta than he does playing soccer for Juventus. Uh, he pockets nearly $50 million a year from Insta post. In contrast, his salary at Juve is about $34 million, according uh, to one source. It basically makes him Instagram's highest earner ahead of Lionel Messi and Kylie Jenner. Now, beating Kylie Jenner is wow. something, right? Apparently, he's the most followed human on Instagram. Companies are paying almost a million dollars for posts to access his insane reach. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> Quick word on Ranieri, who's gone to Sampdoria. They're bottom, aren't they, of Syria at the moment. Is he going to make a difference, Mina? Yay well, or nay? It's Ranieri. You should, you should hope he's a pair of safe hands, but it's a terrible, terrible squad. Okay, we're going to leave it there. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> the final casting vote goes to Mina. This is the Offside Rule from Muddy Knees Media. Let's move on to our last topic then, reasons to record break. Uh, so let's talk about this because we're going to honour Trent Alexander-Arnold, who earned a Guinness World Record for the most amount of assists in a single Premier League season last season. So I'd like some other footballers, please, ladies, uh, with world records. Who wants to go first? Okay, I'm going to tell you about a player for Barcelona who's called Ansu Fati. He became the youngest ever goal scorer in the league against Osasuna. He then started the match against Valencia, which is a big club, as we all know. And uh, he became the youngest player to score and create an assist in the history of La Liga. Now, this is a terrific talent. Obviously, you know, Barcelona are set to fit to lose their generational talent in Lionel Messi. And they were supposed to get Neymar over the summer. But not getting Neymar has allowed them to sort of play Ansu Fati and let him have these mm. chances. And he has just been astonishing because if you watch that game against Valencia, he not only scored, but he helped Frankie de Jong get a goal too. And it was he's just a fantastic player. Youth is all great. But if we're going to talk about oldies, you have to talk Italian. And in October 2014... Francesco Totti, at the ripe age of 38 and three days old, scored for Roma against Manchester City in the Champions League, making him the oldest goal scorer in the Champions League, in the competition ever. Wow. And if we're going to talk very old, very quickly, Iraqi-born Israeli footballer, 
entered uh, the world records, uh, becoming the world's oldest player to take part in a professional game at the tender age of 73. Love that. I'm going to go from your fatty to my fatty, if that's okay, and talk about one of the biggest goalkeepers to play in the game, England international Willie J. Fatty Falk, uh, who stood at six foot three and weighed 22 stone three pounds. That's 141 kilograms, folks. Uh, by the time he played wow. his last games for Bradford City, he was 26 stone. That's 165 kilograms in new money. He once stopped a game by snapping the crossbar. Uh, Rumours say that he was the inspiration behind the chant, who ate all the pies. I feel it only fit and proper that we balance out this podcast. We've had so much Ronaldo chat around the 700 that I have to, of course, talk Messi. If we're going to talk <gasps> world records, then we have to look at him. Uh, most goals in a calendar year. The year was 2012. And this little magician scored 91 goals. Uh, he surpassed a Gerd Muller's record in 2012. So I'm just levelling things out there okay. a little bit, okay? Um, but I have one more. Go on. I just decided I can't just give you messy. I've got to look for something unusual and something strange. And one of the things that was quite topical this week when I was listening to football debates on the radio was about how there's not as many headed goals anymore. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how about headers? Let's look at that. The longest headed goal. 58 metres, the longest oh headed God. goal. It was actually beyond the halfway point. Yes, it's yeah, it going to have to It be. was one of those freak goals. It happened in Norway, 2011. Joan Samuelsson for Odds BK. Um, he was the one that got the goal. If you can get on YouTube and have a look. It was actually, there's two things you need to be able to surpass this record. A massive hard head, actually. Yeah, well, that's one of them. And the other is dreadful goalkeeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, listen, producer Abby's given us this Guinness Book of Records 1986 edition featuring uh, a man um, on the moon by the looks of it. It's um, it's proper 80s epic. I'm going to look in here for most indisciplined. Okay, here we go. This is a bit topical for you, and I'm not sure if it's the same team, but in a Gansia Cup match at Waltham Abbey in Essex on the 23rd of December, 73, the referee, Michael J. Woodhams, sent off the entire Juventus cross team and some club officials. Really? That ranks as one of the most ill-disciplined games in the Guinness Book of Records, 1986. Very quickly, um, do either of you have a world record? No. I should do for the amount of uh, laziness that I have. <laughs> I still think that I could be the loudest scream. The, the, loudest yes. scream? Yeah. I honestly think I could probably. Um, also, oh, I did also the loudest sneeze. Oh, I have got a very loud sneeze. Because your sneezes are very oh, that odd. Me. Very odd. I walked only 77 steps on Saturday. Was that the worst steps ever? Yes. I think it's, yeah, I think it would be for anyone, right? Um, one here, by the way. I just want to mention this one quickly. In the local cup match between Tongham Youth Club in Surrey and Hawley, Hampshire, on the 3rd of November, 69, the referee booked all 22 players, including one who went to hospital and one of the linesmen. The, wa the match won by Tongham 2-0 was described by a player as a good hard game without, without any players left at the end. OK, any other business, ladies? It's time to wrap my hammer on the table and ask for order, order. Anything else to offer, Lindsay Hooper? I've been down on the South Coast this week, so I've interviewed Oriel Romeu at Southampton and also Dominic Solanke at Bournemouth. And as part of those processes, sometimes I get given questions by other broadcasters and they want to find out a little bit about the footballers. And both of them answered one question the same. <gasps> what was the question? It was, if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? But they had it for different reasons. So what, what do you think it would be? A superpower? A power of invisibility? No. 
That's what I would choose. I don't know. They both wanted to be able to fly. Ariel Romeo for the views <laughs> and uh, Dominic Solanke for transportation so that you could just avoid any Extinction Rebellion chaos, yes. I guess. And also oh. much more friendly if we could, much more eco-friendly if we could fly, right? Who was the mm. pragmatic one? That's the one I want on my team. The other one's just a dreamer, the views. <laughs> <laughs> Solanke. <laughs> Um, fantastic news, by the way, for the Lionesses. Uh, they've officially sold out at Wembley. This happens uh, early November. 90,000 people amazing. have bought tickets that for that one. And what Great we have news. to urge is that any of those people that have bought the tickets turn up. now turn up because yes. we could actually break a record yes. here. Another Probably one nice. as well for you. Have you heard of Andre Pavlovich? And you're quite entitled to say no because the 22-year-old's been put in charge of analytics for a team in Serbia, FK Benzanija, after he took them to the Champions League semi-finals on Football Manager. He sent his in-game achievements to the club last week and they offered him a real job. Oh, my God. I would hazard a guess that that question you asked at the beginning of that is, as anyone heard of, that the, the categoric answer across the board was no. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. Mina, one more from you. Well, I mean, you know, the Classico is the game of the season for La Liga and it's supposed to as well, set to be in Camp Nou in two weeks. But uh, with all the protests that are going on in Catalonia, in Barcelona. Because uh, of the independence thing. For the yeah. independence, indeed. And there's protests going on that uh, the Federation would like to move it to the Bernabeu and have it be a home game for Real Madrid and then flip it over to the Camp Nou later on in the season. But both teams don't want this to happen. So what are the alternatives? Ooh. It could be a behind closed doors, which would mean that it would really be terrible for yeah. Barcelona. But couldn't they do what they did in Brazil? Which So Brazil actually went to Spain, didn't they, for yeah. to play to play their, what was their cup competition? In the uh, Copa Libertadores. The Copa Libertadores. Yeah, they went to... <laughs> Why are you laughing? Just, just, she just laughs every time you say anything that's foreign. Copa Libertadores. Well done. They went yeah. to Spain and played it there. So maybe they could come to Wembley. Oh, I like classico. that you're putting up England. Well, maybe we should switch continents and uh, do it in America. But it's in only 10 days. So can they really organise all of this in 10 days? And they or don't switch it back, go to River Plate or something. They don't want to be going to no. America, do they really? OK, that's it, ladies. I must call time on this. Remember to keep in touch with us listeners via our social media accounts. It's at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. And you can hear us on Jack Radio Fridays from 7 o'clock. If you want to read some of the brilliant things our team have been uh, putting together and writing in the last few weeks, head over to offsiderulepodcast.com for all the latest. Uh, things that we learned in the WSL this week, that's there. The journey of Nico Yonaris, uh, the tale of Ross Embleton at Lake Norient, uh, and plenty more besides. Hoops, Mina, it's been a pleasure to be reunited with you both. Uh, we'll be back for more next week. Until then, bye. 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 The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.